الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وذكر فإن الذكرى تنفع المؤمنين صدق الله العظيم Most respected mothers and sisters, students of deen In the ahadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam The instruction that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gives With regards to children Is that when the child is seven years old The child must be taught how to perform salah Meaning by that time at the latest This training must start And the child must be taught how to go about all these Fundamentals that would become farz upon him Or her Little later in life But from the age of seven This teaching needs to start And by the time the child is ten years old If the child omits the salah Deliberately omits that salah then the child must be punished. Now, the punishment obviously would be in a way that is a way that brings the lesson home, not in order to just merely inflict some pain, but the punishment is for the purpose of bringing that lesson and that importance of Salah in the child's life. Now, the question is, that Salah is not compulsory on a child that has not yet reached the age where it now becomes farz upon him. He is not yet of age, so therefore it's not compulsory. When that Salah is not compulsory, then why is this child going to be punished for missing that Salah at the age of 10? Because when the child is still not of age, then he is not accountable for his actions. In the court of Allah Ta'ala, he will not be questioned, he will not be inculcating any sin on his record, but if the parents have been putting the child into some sinful action, the parents will be uh, accountable for that. But the child himself, his record starts off from the time he becomes of age, so why is this punishment then being meted out when this is not yet compulsory upon him? So the lesson that is being given here is that as a person grows, as the years pass, then there are things that become inculcated in the system. It is not something that happens in one day, in one week, in one month. It's a gradual process which takes sometimes years for it to really get deep down into a person's system, into a person's way, in a person's habit, in a person's manner. It doesn't happen overnight. And from the early stages, if the right habits, the right ways, the right conduct, the right manner, the right tabiat, the nature is inculcated, then that will continue 
till the end of life inshallah sometimes it can get disrupted if a person then gets into some other mode but that too would still take a while to wipe out what has already happened if a person was already in the right mold the right manner the right conduct the right habits and over years this has been strengthened this has been firmly embedded it still doesn't make somebody immune it doesn't make a person uh, totally safe from the influences of the environment from the influences of people it doesn't make one safe completely it can happen that but it's not going to be something that will happen illa mashallah in one moment or in one day but someone now continuously exposes themselves to some other line, some other thoughts, some other actions, some other things, then Allah forbid all this effort over years can get eroded. And all the pain and difficulty and hardship that was taken to get the right things in place, all the sacrifices that were made, everything Allah forbid can get washed out. But it takes time also. That too will happen generally over time. So it, one has to continue being on one's guard. But the lesson that we have to hold on to is that from day one, the right things need to be put into place. One is what the parents' responsibility is that they are responsible for. But as students of deen, we too are responsible for putting ourselves in the right mold. From now, the right tabi'at. Many a times it may appear that leave this for later, we'll worry about it later. But when that tabi'at, that nature, that temperament, that thinking, that thought, that manner, that conduct, if that has already started taking a certain shape, certain direction, certain manner from now, it becomes, and if supposing that's not the right way, the right manner, the right conduct, the right nature, if it is not there from now, it is very difficult to change it later. If somebody has been continuing in a lazy mode, lazy mode, trying to duck from any kind of work, trying to avoid any kind of responsibility, want to always be just carefree, not interested in taking any responsibility, a person is 13 years old, 14 years old, 15 years old. And already this is now the mold. From that mold starts from before already. But now person is 12, 13, 14, 15. And this is still the mold. This is the direction. This is the manner. This is the conduct. Like for example in terms of conduct, anything happens and the person now pulls her face up. Or she starts shouting on top of her voice. Oh, she is now very irritable. Friends can't talk to her. One thing somebody just says by mistake also and she now flies into a rage. Or she becomes very upset. Or she is now uh, taking offense at every little thing. Now that starts creating a tabiat. It starts creating a nature. A lazy nature. So now lazy nature, unfortunately we get these kind of issues coming up. Now the husband comes and he says, well, this house is all the time in a problem. Among the problems, my wife cooks like maybe once or twice a week. 
And then the rest of the time what you do? He says, well, that whatever has been cooked sometimes, it runs for one, two days, then must just buy takeaway. Must just keep buying takeaway. But now what is happening in that takeaway? It's taking away so many things. It's taking away the whole, whatever, barakat dewas and that muhabbat and so many things are happening. But now where did this come from? She doesn't want to cook. More than once or twice a week, she'll just cook something. This is that lazy tabiat that carried on. That nature had already been now built in. So now that's carrying on. Now when the time has come to do it, it's difficult to change the nature. And if a person does it too, does it very grudgingly. Does it like a real burden. But that grudgingly doing it and doing it as a burden cannot be something that can continue long term. One day, two days, five days, ten days, one week, two weeks, one month. Then now it becomes too much now. I can't handle this anymore. And this is enough now. And then that starts bursting forth in everything else. These are unfortunately repeated issues that come up. Repeated issues. We're not talking about isolated issues. We're not talking about something that comes once in a blue moon. Every other case, these are the things that recur. And where has this come from? There was a certain nature. Somebody, their nature is that they just keep looking for something, some drama, some to create some, irritate this person, irritate that person, cause some problem here, cause some problem there. Now that became the nature of the person. So now as time went on, now she grew up, now she is married, so now the same thing carries on in her house. Now she is forever looking for some fault of the husband, finding some fault here, and small, small things, little, little things. And now that husband also is a jahil sometimes, he doesn't know how to handle it correctly, so he reacts in a more terrible way. And then there's a fire, then there's a big inferno. So, where is this starting off from? What is the root issue? The root issue are these basic things. That to build the right nature, the right temperament, from now, the nature of hard work, yes, life is not a holiday. Unfortunately, the West has made it look like life is a holiday. Just that you have to earn to fund the holiday. So you'll have to work because life is all about entertainment, but you'll have to pay for the entertainment. So now because you have to pay for the entertainment, you'll have to work now. Now because you'll have to work and earn some money, so you'll have to go to school also to get the education to earn. But the bottom line is, life is entertainment. But for the entertainment, you'll have to work, you'll have to go to school, get the education, go, go to university, you'll have to go and get a degree, whatever. But bottom line is entertainment, fun. So whatever you'll get fun in, you pursue it. You go behind it, chase for it. If there's no fun in it, don't worry about it. So now what is the end result? First, there was, in, we're talking about now our communities. Because we have also taken that same direction. We have left out that beautiful way that Nabi Islam gave us. And we have latched on to the way of the West. So now we also only will look at that wherein there's some fun for us. 
if there is some fun for us in being with a friend, then we'll be with that friend. But if there's no fun for us in being with that friend, it might be only that we're giving that friend some support. That friend is somebody who's feeling low, down and out, is sick, whatever. So we are not going to get any fun out of it, but that person will get comforted. Then maybe one minute, two minutes, enough now. Find somebody else now where they'll get some fun. So our friendships also are very, very selfish. Our friendships are very selfish. It is for just our personal fun. Our personal benefit. And if that doesn't come from some friend, though that friend is a very good friend, that person doesn't seem to be giving us any fun that we're looking for, forget about it. Likewise now, to visit some relative, that aunt or mother's brother or somebody, uh, father's brother or some aunt who's elderly maybe, so to go in now, it's a free day, she's not far off, father can go drop us there or whatever the case is, to go and just spend, obviously there's no fear of any fitna of any sort, so we'll go spend a few hours with her, she's an old person maybe, she's an elderly person, to give her some support, to give her some comfort, to just make her feel cheerful, but now this old lady, I'm going to sit with her, and uh, she'll start talking about the old times, uh, that doesn't interest me now, hey, forget about it. Why? Because I won't get any fun in it. Now this has become the nature. This has become the tabiat. So as a result, we've cut ourselves from sila rahmi. What a great thing in deen. Joining family ties. Going to visit somebody to enhance that family ties. Going to uh, meet somebody just to cheer that person up. Make that person feel good. Some elderly person, some sickly person. Now these things don't give us any fun. These things don't give us any kind of our excitement, our entertainment. So now, if there's a free day, one is one option there is to just go and just drive around town. What do you get out of just driving around town? Nothing. Just going spinning around. And the other is to go and visit one elderly relative. Or maybe not elderly also, but some relative with the niyat of Sila Rahmi. Say, you know, all this kala kala and all these things are old time days. This is something in the old fashioned people. Nowadays the new fashion people, they just keep spinning around town. That's the new fashion. So, what is the issue? Our nature has become selfish. Generally, we don't think about it in this way. And nobody tells it to us like this too. That the bottom line is, we have become selfish. And therefore, we only think of everything from our perspective, from our side, what it will give me, what pleasure and enjoyment I will get, what excitement I will get, whether I will enjoy being there. Sometimes, it will be that there might not be an enjoyment for me, but there will be benefit for the next. Like for example, that elderly person, we went and spent some time, our relative, our aunt, might be some elderly relative, we went and spent some time with her, we gave her some comfort, some support. Maybe every moment there was a sacrifice for you. But it made her feel so happy, so comfortable. So, now that is the thing, that at that time, what would you look at it from? Only your perspective? That will I enjoy being here? Or will I find it like a struggle? 
I will find it like a sacrifice. So if I'm going to find it like a sacrifice, forget it. I don't want to do it. But what Deen has taught us, look at it first from the perspective of the other person. There was one great Buzrug, Hazrat Mawlam Muzaffar Hussein Kandilvi Rahmatullahi. Just this, this aspect about looking at things from the other's perspective. And even if this means that we have to undertake some sacrifice. The great Buzrug, Hazrat Mawlam Muzaffar Hussein Kandilvi Rahmatullahi, Hazrat Sheikhul Hadith Mawlam Zakaria Sahib Rahmatullahi, the author of Fazail Amal, he, this is in his family tree. This person is in his family tree. Very great Buzrug. And his taqwa was very well known. And he would be very, very conscious about eating only what is halal. Very conscious. And he was so careful about this, that after a while, his nature, again we are talking about his nature, it builds up over time. His nature, his, now this is something beyond the norm. His nature became such that if he by mistake, by mistake, ate something doubtful also. Now even for example, for somebody's dawat, somebody invited him. And they fed him something which wasn't 100% halal. Some doubt in it maybe. He, his stomach couldn't accept it. He would automatically end up just bringing it out. He would spew. Not that he tried to do that. He didn't know about the food. And as a result, as the Shaykh Rahmatullah says, that the family people also, after a while, when they realized that this happens, and then when somebody investigated, they found things were out of place here, people became very, very concerned if they invited him, they were very worried. It mustn't happen, we get disgraced. In other words, we probably also are making a mistake somewhere, and maybe because we make a mistake somewhere, we are feeding him something now, and that is not 100%, we're probably not aware also, and that will get exposed now. Because if we fed him something not 100% halal and pure, he's going to end up spewing involuntarily. And our whole issue is going to get exposed here, that we're going to really have to start battling to sort out things. So this was the caliber of person. One day he was traveling, he was in a place, he had this shock, he used to go and see wherever there is any masjid which is now not being looked after. People in those days in the villages, rural areas, sometimes nobody would come to the masjid for days. Sometimes the masjid would just be left abandoned. Old days in India, rural areas, <coughs> in the villages, people were very ignorant, far away from deen. So he would go and find such masjids, see now the masjid is sometime in a state because nobody's looking after it, he'll clean it out, he'll, then he'll go and invite the people, please come to the masjid, make salah, one day he'll spend there and then he'll move on. So he'll come for the whole day, he'll clean it up. Generally it wasn't his nature to stay over more than one day. One day he'll sort it out, then he'll go back. Then he'll go look for some other masjid. One day he came to one place, the whole day there was nobody in the masjid. He cleaned it up, etc., gave azan. In the evening, after Maghrib, one person walked in and he came, he performed his salah. Now when he performed his salah, he also noticed that there's some stranger here. And that was a common thing in those days. Any person, Musafir, now from one village to the next, far away, no accommodation anywhere. So that person would end up spending the night in the masjid. So he saw this Musafir, he saw this stranger. So in any case, he quietly went away. He doesn't know at all who the person is. He went away home. After a short while, he came back with three rotis, three breads, rotis. And he gave it to him. He said, you are a musafir, so therefore this is for you. 
and the people of the villages would know that there's no no way that a person can buy any food here, traveling from village to village. It's not a city, it's not a built-up area. So they would regard it as their responsibility to take care of the musafir, to take care of the... Whereas they don't know him, he's not a relative, they don't know him from anywhere also. But they felt this is their responsibility, which is a teaching of deen. So he brought these three rotis and came and gave it to him. Hazrat Muzaffar Sahib ate these three rotis and he slept away against his normal habit the next day he decided to stay on. He stayed the whole day. Now there's nobody there, nobody coming to the masjid, anything. The whole day went. After Maghrib, again the same person walked in. Again he performed his salah and he noticed that this musafir is still here. He went away home and he came back with two rotis. He gave it to him and he went away. So the Mawla ate these two rotis and then he decided he's staying on one more day. Or he's staying on still. Against his routine now. He stayed on. The third day this person came, same thing, whole day nobody in the masjid. After Maghrib, this person, same person walked in. He seemed to have been the only person in that whole village who used to come and read one namaz in the masjid at least, or in the evening namazes. This person came again after Maghrib. He saw his person is here. He went away home. Again, after a while, he came back with one roti. And he gave it to Hazrat Mawlana. And then he clasped his hands together. And he says, please, brother Musafir, tomorrow please go away. Now he's saying to him, take this roti, but tomorrow please go away. Now Mawlana found this very strange. So he smiled and said, fine, but first you'll have to tell me something about yourself. Who are you? What are you? So that person replied and said, I am nobody, I am just a simple villager and I have nothing also, I am down and out. So he asked him, that, just give me this story about first day three rotis and then two rotis and one roti, you have to tell me all this, then I will go. And he just made that as a story. So this person, this villager finally replied and said, that the whole story is that I am just a very simple villager here and a laborer. I own nothing and I have nothing. And the whole day I undertake some labor. Maybe he works on somebody's farm or whatever the case is, plowing the field and so on. So the end of the day, I just get enough. Now people pay, used to pay maybe just a pittance. So I just get enough to buy some flour that will make three rotis. And there are three people in the house. Myself, my wife and my one child. So each one eats one roti, that is our meal for the whole day and night. That one roti. Each one of us eats that one roti. And we have to carry on the next day. At the end of the next day, we will make again, I'll work the whole day. And after that whole hard days of labor, that little flower, uh, flower whatever I'll bring home, that is the rotis we'll make. And again we'll go to sleep with that. Now the day, first day when you were here, I saw you as a musafir. So I went home and explained, look, there's a musafir. This is our responsibility to look after the musafir. So all three of us, myself, my wife, and my son, all three decided that, look, it's a musafir's right. We have to entertain the guest. He's a guest. So everybody decided to part with their roti. I gave you all three. And everybody went to bed hungry. Imagine the whole day hungry. And at night also, this is the one only meal, that one roti. And all of us went to bed hungry. But the second day, 
my son couldn't manage anymore. Because now it's 48 hours without food. 48 hours without anything having been eaten. But the second day you were still around, so I gave him his share of the bread, his roti, but my wife said, okay, she'll still manage. And my share, the two I brought and gave you. In any case, that was done. We also went to bed hungry for the second night. Now today my wife has gone very weak. So I gave my son his share. I gave my wife her share. I have just brought only my share of that bread to you tonight. But I don't think I'm going to manage for a third day also. Tomorrow I unfortunately will have to, I won't be able to entertain you. So therefore I am asking that please you go away. So Mawlana then replied and said, that I normally don't stay more than one day. But I wanted to know what is the secret in this whole thing, because that first day you brought those three rotis and gave me, that night I was even blessed after having eaten that roti, that which was so pure, a person's hard work and labor, and a person who is then on top of that making this kind of sacrifice, in entertaining the guest. Can we, if we had just one small pot of food cooked, and suddenly some mehman came away, he said, it doesn't matter, we'll eat half stomach today, let us share it with them. Do we have that heart? Or, forget that, share it with them. There's enough for everybody to eat more than they're full. But now it just means the effort of now preparing something for the guest. Are we ready to entertain the guest? Nowadays the norm has become, if you entertain the guest, if the husband has come home and he said, then these are unfortunately common stories that come up. These are common stories that people bring up, that the husband said now he wants to bring some guests, so the wife said, you know where Sparks Road? You know where is Sparks Road? And now the husband now just decided he'd rather go to Sparks Road, because otherwise there will be sparks flying here. So now why? Because there was that nature created from time. That nature, that tabiat that we're talking about. So, can we think about this? That this is a mehman, it's a guest, it's a musafir, we don't know him from anywhere, but to make that sacrifice, that fine, nevertheless we don't have anything for ourselves, but let's part with it, let's entertain the guest, and let's look after this musafir, and even if it means going hungry to bed. So now they did that, that halal and tayyib food, with this sacrifice, Hazrat Muhammad is saying, to that villager, I was blessed with such great ziyarat of Rasulullah in my dream. And I felt my heart bursting with noor after having eaten your food. So I decided this food I must eat again. I didn't know what is the position obviously. He didn't know that the family is going starving. But he felt that this noor, this if it comes must take. So he said I stayed over the second day and I stayed over now the third day. Because I am just experiencing this noor out of this food and this benefit and I'm getting this spiritual uh, high as we may say now but the lesson for us was that how was it possible for these people to make that sacrifice 101% 1001% that they were used to this from before to make sacrifices they were used to this that entertain the next person, even if it means that we have to suppress our feeling. Give the next person first, even if it means that we don't have. Put the next person's happiness first, 
even if it means my pain. Put the next person's comfort first, even if it means my discomfort. But now this is not a button that somebody decides now tomorrow they're getting married, so now they'll press this button from tomorrow, new life. It doesn't happen. It hasn't happened like that. Illa mashallah. Some karamat somebody's. But the karamat happens one in maybe 50 million people. Whether we will make it for that, what the chances are, it's one in 50 million. We will have to work for it. We will have to develop that nature. There is that famous incident of Sheikh Abu Abdullah Undulusi, we discussed this couple of times, lengthy incident, and a very thought-provoking incident, something, a lot of ibrat in it, but in any case, that long incident, one part of it was, that when the Sheikh came to that well, to take water, and he saw this one girl, and in any case, uh, one of the questions he asked the people, that who is this girl, the others were there, she said, this is the daughter of the leader of this place, like the kind of king, he is the leader, he is the big shot of this place, the wealthiest person around, and the leader, she is the leader of this place, and his daughter, this young girl, she is coming to the well to fetch water, doesn't he have any servants, he is sure to have a lot of wealth to pay for the servants to do all this, so he replied, no, he is a very intelligent person, he does not want to create the wrong nature, and the wrong tabiat, the wrong mold. So he wants his daughter to do all this, so that she is accustomed to it. So later in life, this is part of her nature. So then she will do these things. So now coming to the point that we are talking about, this nature, developing this nature. A lot of things in the program of the madrasa, is for the same purpose. Obviously, this alone will not create that nature unless we take this seriously. For example, in the senior, uh, well, the second year, first year, second year, whatever, Tartib is there. In those classes, the program that has been set that uh, there's a day where the students don't come to Madrasa. They remain at home and there's an entire chart that is given to them and they are supposed to be doing all those chores. This is not just a pastime. This is not just to give maybe the Mu'allimas some time off to do something else. So therefore keep the students away, tell them go home so that they can have a holiday also and the Mu'allimas got some other work to do, they can do that. No, no, no. This is part of the program to create the right nature. Because this is the primary function that a girl will have to perform later in her life to be the homekeeper, to be the homemaker. And therefore, these skills not just need to be learnt as a theory and need to be learnt as something that is one is able to do and one is capable of doing that, but which is also part of one's tabiat already. They are two totally different things. One is how to know how to do something. To know how to do something is one, one issue. Or to know how to do it very well also. And the other is to be in a person's nature of how to do it. Of, to, of doing it. For example, now, washing dishes for example. How difficult is it to wash dishes? You can teach a five-year-old child also how to wash dishes. And I'm sure they'll do a pretty good job. Maybe by the time they finish it, the 
kitchen will also be looking quite pretty with everything, all the soap water all over the place. But in any case, they'll wash the dishes. So it's nothing difficult about that. So washing dishes is not a, something that requires a person to learn rocket science. But a sink full of dishes, how many people are ready to do it daily? Nothing to learn much about it. You can teach a person in five minutes how to wash dishes properly. So you know it. But who and how many people are ready to wash a sink full of dishes daily? Let us ask ourselves. Those of us who are now of that age group especially. 13 years old, 14 years old, 15, more. Can we do it daily? Once in a while, fine. Sometimes some extra maybe visitors, this, that will do it. But supposing if that was our allocated task daily, suddenly from today, will it be something that we can take in our stride or it will become something that will be a big burden and in time create frustration? One day, two days, one week, two weeks and then it starts creating frustration. I can't be doing this by a dishwasher now. I once went I had the opportunity of going to Canada many years back. So, uh, we went to visit one person at his house, the host. So, when this person came out at the door, maybe I shouldn't be saying this here, this is something to be said in the masjid. But in any case, this person came out, so his sleeves were folded right to the top. And uh, his hands were wet. So, in order to make Musafa, so he was excusing himself, please, I can't shake my ha- shake, shake hands, because he just came to open the door, to see who is at the door. So now he didn't know who is at the door now. So now, the host is introducing that this is a guest from South Africa, so now he wants to meet, but he's just making salam, he's not shaking hands, and he's excusing himself, his hands are wet, and it's also soapy. So now he's just, so the host knew him well, so he just said, no, the washing machine, uh, the, the dishwasher was busy, so now, Therefore, his hands are in soap and water because they cannot afford to have servants to do all this work. So, in many households, the dishwasher either is a dishwasher, meaning an electric dishwasher, or the dishwasher is the husband. (laughs) So, in this particular house, probably the dishwasher was the husband. So, he came out to the door to open the door and he's saying that this is, uh, he can't shake hands right now, his hands are messed, because this was his daily job. Maybe they couldn't afford a dishwasher, or maybe the, whatever the reason was, so this was his daily job. And there's more than one person of that nature there, many, many people, who just take this as part of their stride, because they probably grew up doing it. When they were little boys, probably their mothers made them do it daily. So now this was part of their nature. So now the mother made them do it. Now the wife is making them do it. They're carrying on with life. They're washing the dishes. Now there that husband is doing it. Nowadays many a wife is not ready to do it. This is sad reality which comes up every now and again. That, that is the frightening part. That the uh, number of cases that come up of this nature. That somebody doesn't want to cook. Somebody is not prepared to do any household chores. Somebody is not prepared to do anything. And why? Because that nature was never developed. They probably were taught at some stage how to do something. But that was it. 
it was taught as a as something as a lesson like how you teach somebody how a lesson in school now they teach you on theory and maybe there'll be some practicals involved also you learned it done end of story you didn't do it after that so it didn't become part of the nature to do it and now when it became necessary to do it can't handle it and then there's a problem and then there's drama and nowadays every other person he says no well at home I got a drama queen Allah Ta'ala save us and protect us the purpose of saying these things is not to be picking up on other people's faults the purpose of saying this is for our islah and tarbiyat that how we are supposed to be focusing and that we don't fall into the same trap of nafs and shaitan into the same trap of our own foolishness sometimes and we start making the same mistakes so therefore this is the time now while we are in our young age still in the time when we are learning we are developing all these habits these ways these mannerisms this nature this is a time to take that little extra effort that pain on ourselves a little bit that sacrifice to develop the right nature to look at other people's comfort first and ours then to undertake the sacrifice to serve others at home our relatives etc to take that upon ourselves to make others comfortable first that elderly person that aunt that uh, our mother our parents whoever even if it means that I have to sacrifice my fun that big word fun Allah knows best what fun there is but it's just a, an illusion we just keep chasing a shadow and get nothing besides more misery out of it but even if I have to sacrifice my own pleasure comfort fun to make somebody else happy to make that mother happy to make that aunt happy to make that sister happy to make that brother happy that little extra to go out of the way tomorrow it will become easy to make that husband happy to make those in-laws happy to undertake what is necessary and these are realities of life nowadays we don't want to think about these realities when the time comes we'll worry about it this is a person wants to become a doctor the doctor will start practicing or he becomes a qualified doctor after that sixth year but they already put him into hospital training from the third year he's only going to be a qualified doctor from the after the six years have passed but he's in hospital training from the third year, maybe second year, Allah knows best. Somebody is going to become an architect. He'll get his certificate after that fourth year or fifth year or whatever it is. But he's already in an architect's office helping out and learning things long before that he qualifies. In fact, they won't even give him that certificate till he's spent a whole year in that architect's. Likewise, that engineer. Likewise, that uh, whatever professions. Why? Because he must become part of his nature to do that work. So already his mind is being focused that this is the field I've got to be in. Unfortunately, out there in the world, that field which is the real field of a woman, that I have to be the homemaker. كُلُّكُمْ رَائِنْ وَكُلُّكُمْ مَسْعُولٌ أَنْ رَعِيَّتِهِ Nabi Salaam then said, وَالْمَرْأَةُ رَائِيَّةٌ عَلَىٰ 
زوجها واهل بيته وولده that the woman she is the shepherdess of the husband and his children so she has to look after this she is being answerable for that that is the thing we don't want to think about what is going to give me the training of how to handle this responsibility correctly how to manage things in the proper way we don't want to think about that and we don't illa mashallah nobody wants to talk about it too from the top from anyway this is hardly discussed previously previously maybe even not beyond 20 25 years ago maybe more recent than that too this was something you ask anybody the elder people the elder people ask anyone they might have heard this when they were in the young days hundreds of times before they got married that whenever they did something out of place there was somebody the mother the elder sister the grandmother somebody or the other would be constantly correcting them and one of the refrains one of the words of admonition of of scolding so to say would be in this manner that when you will go your mother-in-law's house what you'll do nowadays she already decided before hand i'm never going to be in my mother-in-law's house so i must have worry about what i'm going to do in my mother-in-law's house so this is a whole new chapter in life but that policy hasn't brought any kind of good rather though hazrat thanvi rahmatullah alaihi whatever his advice has been that everybody now must have their own independent space but we still have to be living as one united unit one family you have to learn how to be living with everybody and interacting fully with everyone in the way proper way within the limits of sharia obviously but that requires those skills it requires that correct manner that while everybody is obviously encouraged to be having their own space but we have to still be living with one another you're going to have to interact there are going to be moments and times when you're going to have to be interacting with the extended family and others now if you haven't learned how to do these things then we go and make major blunders and as a result we create problems for ourselves problems for others also but where this starts off with from now we have to start understanding i have to create the right nature within me the right manner the right uh things within me i have to become hard working from now and that hard working is not a theory that can be applied at the press of a button it comes by putting ourselves into work at home now we are there's no whole day i was in madrasa forget about it i got nothing to do here now the kitchen others must run no to become part of the day or the one day in the week or once in two weeks that's a day i'll do something the rest of it somebody else must bother about it no to become part of it on a daily basis to become part of the day to day responsibilities of the home on a daily basis and inshallah we'll see what rewards this will bring for us in dunya that it will make us be happy in dunya also and what is in the akhirat is beyond our imagination may allah tbarak wa taala grant us all the tawfiq wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin allahumma lakal hamdu kulluhu wa lakash shukru kulluhu اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك انت كما اثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو اهله ربنا ظلمنا انفسنا وان لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم واعف وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم انك انت الاعز الاكرم اللهم انا نسالك من خير ما سالك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ 
اعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم انت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوه الا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد واله وصحبه اجمعين والحمد لله رب العالمين